0: Thorny, as we venture into the RR, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state, and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Sister IPA is probably one of my favorites. But we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a
1: Mountain Man Scotch Ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a Mountain Man, but you are right. I do love their Mountain Man Scotch Ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their Golden Bobcat Pale Ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson. And as always, go Cats.
0: Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Alright, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the R Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. Across the state from me stroking his beard. It's my good buddy, Ryan Thornburg. <laughs> Deep in thought. We are. We are the Ryan's of the RNR, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we are brought to you by Jeremiah Johnson, brewing dink beers in downtown Great Falls with the second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thorny, how you doing, buddy?
1: Flight check. Hotel check. Tickets check. <laughs> I'm fantastic, man. How you doing? <laughs> good point, dude. We
0: got it all in the bag. It's all I lined up. Great. Everything we have we have dotted the I's and crossed the T's. We're going to Frisco, baby. Going Woo. to
1: Frisco. Waited our whole lives for this. I'm pretty I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Hey, I think we even have a car. If we have a rental car. We do. We are, man, we are adulting. We're <laughs> adulting. Yes, I'm over 25 years old, rental company, boom.
0: Can you imagine the legions of Montana State fans just going to Frisco? And I think we're all going to feel the same thing. We're going to get there, and we're going to be like, what do we do? Where, where should we go? And then yep. you'll look to the Bison fans, and the Bison fans will be like, ah, oh, just come this way. It's this is my seventh there. time here, people. <laughs> You're going to want to take a left over here, cross this street. Don't, don't, don't go to that restaurant that, you know, I've had, I had some
1: food poisoning back in the day, but you want to go to these ones over here. So <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. Uh, yeah. Conversing with them, getting tips from them and stuff. Cause I'm sure that's what's going to happen, <laughs> but it's going to be a blast, man. I'm excited. I'm super excited about that. That since we didn't get to oh. go to uh, the semifinal game, this will make up for it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The cat fans are going to be like the freshmen going to the prom. It's true. And then the bison fans are going to be like the seniors who are like, ah man I can't wait to get out of here.
1: <laughs> I think that might play into our play into our uh into our hands here and we'll talk about that uh yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. All righty. Okay, so welcome
0: to the RnR cast. I said that already, but why not say it again? Hey, thanks for joining us. We are just always happy to have uh just the fan support. We were talking about this just prior to getting on like how many uh listens we're getting lately and just uh just the, like the contacts and the the people like reaching out to us. It's just been super fun. But uh going off a little bit tangent, let's talk about what's going on today. We're gonna talk about the news. Uh we do have some news that came out just today. We'll talk a little bit about Freddie Banks being hired on over at Colorado State. Uh Coach Vegan had a press conference and of course he gave a little bit of information on just how they're gonna do the the prep going into the National championship game and also some injury status stuff that uh, I think for the Bobcat fans will, will appreciate. And then uh, we'll get right into the game recap our uh, semifinal game, our 31 17 win against South Dakota State over in Bozeman.
1: And we'll finish up with some Golden Coolies. Sounds great, man. Yeah, we're going to skip the preview today because we're going to have a special guest on to help us out later in the week. All right. Let's start out with what's in our
0: golden coolies. Thorning. what do you got?
1: Oh, hold on. I haven't even, I got to unsheath it. I have the Cabin Fever by Boundary Bay. Uh, what kind of beer even is this? I don't know what kind of beer it is. It doesn't tell me. And uh, embarrassingly enough, I haven't even opened it. So I'm going to crack it. And while I crack it, why don't you describe your beer? And we'll come back to me and I'll tell you how it tastes. <laughs> Good content. <laughs> so it's all you know.
0: Oh, I have what's called the Dogfish sixty minute Dogfish Head sixty minute IPA. It's like one of those tall cans, like the one pinters. And when you put them in the coolies, they look super funny because they <laughs> like it just <This> like <laughs> it looks like this just looks stupid. Honestly, it's uh, I I bought it because our mutual friend Kyle Kinnick always talks to me and says this is one of his favorite beers. So, cheers to you, Kyle.
1: Cheers, Kyle. All right. Uh, I'm I'm happy to report that I like this beer. It's a nice malty, stouty thing, just a winter beer. I mean, see the can, and there's like all sorts of snow and stuff all over it. Kevin Fever kind of describes what we're going to have here for the next few weeks, too, I'm sure. 37 IBUs, 8.7%. Ooh, that's a nice beer. I like it. I like it. I would buy it again. Congratulations, Boundary Bay! Who does a pretty good beer up here in Bellingham? Nice.
0: So, Therny, I was I was at the grocery store today with uh, my wife, and I told her I was like, "Hey, I got to pick up a beer for the for the game tonight." And so we're we're strolling down the beer section. I was looking around, and she pulls out a six pack of beer, and she puts it in the cart. Total domination IPA from <laughs>
1: and then <coffee>. She's <laughs> like, "You got
0: to drink this tonight." I was like. That I do, I do like the idea to live, but the Total Domination IPA, I think, is pretty high in the alcohol content, and that's never good for me. So I like the more mellow. You know, we've talked about five and a half, six percent kind of beers. Uh, once in a while, I'll you know dip into the seven, seven and a half, but uh, I think uh, the Total Domination is north of that. I might be wrong, but good on my wife. You know, maybe I should have got that, but this dogfish.
1: 60-minute uh, IPA is pretty good so far. I had the total domination last year after Cat Grizz. I bought it.
0: <laughs> you sp- suffered through the it, name. Huh?
1: I, did, <laughs> I did. I did <laughs> suffer through it. I don't remember <laughs> enjoying it in particular. I don't remember hating it, but who knows? We drink a lot of beer on this podcast, but certainly don't <laughs> think I would have enjoyed it.
0: Right on. Yeah. Uh, right after the game, uh, Jeremiah Johnson tweeted out a picture of just a six-pack of Bobcat uh, pale ale and – I went through my whole stash over here already, so I I couldn't even celebrate with
1: a Bobcat Pale Ale. We gotta smuggle some down to Frisco. Yeah,
0: right. I saw they were making ways over in Nebraska. So, but imagine that Jeremiah Johnson, yeah, Jeremiah (laughs) Johnson beer in Nebraska. That's pretty awesome. All right. let's talk about some news. Let's let's lead right into the news came out to. Today, that Freddie Banks, our defensive coordinator, is taking a job as the defensive coordinator over at Colorado State.
1: Man, that kind of just hit. I was just scrolling through Twitter and I uh, saw Colton Poole retweet the football scoop. uh, Freddie Banks being hired on as the defensive coordinator at Colorado State. And I'm just like, I did not see that coming right now. Like I was not expecting some sort of major shakeup three weeks ago until Frisco, like riding off this high for from the, from the win over South Dakota State. And it's just Monday, and all of a sudden we get that news that our defensive coordinator's gone, which is, I think we've talked about, is not surprising because we think that, we were wondering, how long are we going to be able to keep Freddie Banks? Because we think he's an awesome coach, and he's done an amazing job. It turns out, uh, one season. That's the, that's the answer. As he's quickly off to Colorado State, which is in, what, Fort Collins, to uh, coach the Rams, which is, somebody pointed out, He's going from a team that beat South Dakota State to go coach for a team that lost to South Dakota State this year. That's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh <laughs> so congratulations uh, coach Freddie Banks. Uh, what are what are your thoughts when you when this news came out fully? Uh I learned it from you.
0: Yeah, uh, you texted me about it. Uh instantly sad, but not surprised. Guys deserves deserves it. Uh, we knew he was going to be here just a short while. but It came pretty clear to me in the last couple of weeks that he is, you know, a rising star in the coaching ranks, Yep. just the way our defenses perform lately. It doesn't surprise me one bit.
1: No, it's a uh, definitely well-deserved. I'm happy. I'm really happy for coach banks and uh, <sighs> Colton did tweet out that he has sources that say he will finish coaching the season that didn't even cross my mind that he wouldn't coach it, but I'm glad to hear that he will be coaching um in the national championship is this karma fully is this karma for what the Bobcats have coached or played against the last two games except uh, Sam Houston state's offensive coordinator like days before the game was announced was was gonna be the uh the head coach at Delaware right yeah, so that was just a few days before their game, and then I don't know the timing of it, but Jason Eck the offensive coordinator for sandy or Scott oh, there i I made the mistake everyone's been making <laughs> South Dakota state. Uh, takes the job at Idaho. I'm not sure if that was reported before or after the game, but I know it was rumored and there was our discussions going on it. So that's two games in a row that we played someone who had a coordinator poached before the game was played. And here we are in the same boat now. So maybe it's karma.
0: It might be. Well, you know, from the r Coach Banks, we never got to talk to you, but we're super stoked for you, man. And uh, I knew your time in Bozeman would be short. I knew that. The whole time, but uh, I know I'm happy you're going to be here for the the national championship game and best of luck to you, buddy. How big of an impact do you think this has on the national championship, if at all? Nah, I don't think it is. He's going to stay for the for the national championship. I don't think it has any impact on it.
1: You don't think it affects the morale of the players at all or anything like that?
0: You know, if it does, it's
1: going to be short lived. They got three weeks to get over it. It's true. yeah if we had a game coming up on saturday i think it'd be more likely to 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 affect them but they have some more time to process it and digest it and uh you know come to terms with it and whatnot
0: you know one thing before we move on from Freddie, i think one of the things he's done really well
1: outside of a lot of things is make adjustments in the game oh that's his strong suit i believe is like he comes out with, with a game plan but he also keeps things very like Base and mellow it seems until he figures out what the other team is doing and in the second half he just like turns the key in the ignition and we just lock it down Uh, he he is fantastic at second half adjustments I think it's probably his biggest strength
0: yeah he has head coaching material all over him
1: it's kind of funny I haven't heard much reports from like if the players like him like typically (laughs) we start hearing about like Oh, you know, the players love playing for him. Like, I haven't heard, like, hardly a peep about Freddie Banks in reality. Like, the yeah. only thing I've ever heard, you know, is what you see on TV and his performance. But, like, how he interacts or how well he is liked or any of the more of the off-field kind of stuff like that, I haven't really heard very much. Have you? i have been kind of for the whole. Yeah, I'm just kind of, like, thinking about that now. It's like, I haven't really heard very much about Freddie Banks. <laughs> he's been kind of quietly doing a damn good job all year.
0: All right, Tony. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. One name to replace Freddie Banks.
1: Can I own? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little pie in the sky. I mean, that'd be my my first pick, but obviously I don't think it's going to happen. If we're going to go somewhere lower down, I'd love to see Bobby Daly get a shot. Yeah. Jeff Choate. Chote. Jeff Chote comes back to Bozeman as a coordinator it's the day I eat my own shoe. <laughs>
0: <It> could, <laughs> I yeah, could see him it, like
1: coming back to like maybe maybe another FCS school in a coordinator position, but my, Bozeman, where he's done what he's done, coming back, he's like built this up to what it is. He's the man, and now he's going to come back and not be the man. I don't, I don't see that happening.
0: No, yeah, Bobby Daly would be that. Uh Gregorak? throw the name Ty out. yep, yeah, Ty. He'd be another guy I would think of. I mean, Coach Vegan's probably going to stick with uh, the 425 True. system. You know, that's going to be something. And then, you know, Bobby Daly has a full year in that system now. He is a house name, a guy that uh, I think all Bobcat fans would be stoked to see if he took the, the DC role. Early chatter on Bobcat Nation was that he was going with Freddie Banks over to Colorado and you know that might be true so you know i, I, I think uh, coach vegan's uh, coaching uh, connections are deep and so i'm not too yep. concerned about what's going to happen and
1: uh but yeah bobby Daly would be the first guy i would think of jake dubek on twitter had a great idea elevate daily and bring back jody owens to i assume to take over the linebacker linebacker oh, coach man. position that would be vacated when Daly took Let's the go. Uh, dc that yeah, two of the best linebackers in the history of Montana State coaching on the same same time. Sign me up. Mm, yeah, I would love to see Jody Owens back in blue. I would love it, Come man. On. Yeah, we had him on the pod. You know, we talked about how he kind of got the short end of the stick coming back for like one fateful year in Bozeman. I'd love to have him back on the staff to have a real sh- real crack at it. Right on.
0: Okay, uh, let's move into some uh, just some injury status. Coach Vegan did talk about, hey, we got three weeks. Chances are we're gonna get all those guys back that were hurting the South Dakota State, or excuse me, the Sam Houston State game. So the Chase Benson, Tyakata, and who's the other one? Isaiah Fonse. Yeah, Fonse. No, well, Fonse <laughs> was uh, out this week, but in the Sam Houston state. I'm 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 missing one. Chase Benson, Tyakata,
1: and uh Are you talking guys that were out the entire game at Sam Houston State?
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. There's just a major player I'm forgetting. Anyways. Uh, it might come to me later, but he also talked about like players like Nolan Askelson, who has been hurt since Wyoming might get a chance to play TJ session, uh, getting healthy again. And so this three weeks is going to do just wonders for a lot of the guys. Right. And I'm, I'm sure we won't hear much because why would you, you should have all elements of surprise going into this game. And, uh, but just from what Coach Vegan said today had me, you know, excited, but I expected to hear that too. You know, we got three weeks to heal up. The guys are going to get the treatments they need. Some guys will be there. Some guys won't, but it's going to it's gonna look good. And then I imagine the bison are in the same boat, right? Those guys are going to get healthy too.
1: Yeah, I've been hearing rumors that Christian Watson may be healthy. I think he missed almost the entire year. The uh, don't, don't beaster even speak who burned us in 2019. He, um, he who must not be named right yeah, there yeah that'd be bad timing if he was able to be healthy that's <laughs> oh, good news man. on Benson because I think we'll need every defensive lineman we, we have good news on Okada um, Afonso I'm I'm hoping he's fully healthy and ready to go that one seems more iffy to me but uh, we'll, we'll need him big time we can't have Malat handing the ball off six times and keeping the ball 34 of the 40 times that we run the ball that's just not going to work Question for you. If TJ Session comes back, do you think he gets his starting spot back before we move on? Or is Rush Reimer playing well enough?
0: Yeah. That that is a really good question because... uh, uh, Yeah, I think he gets his spot back. Uh, But, uh, you know, somebody said this on the board today. They're like, do you you continue rolling with the guys that
1: uh, got you there? I think you... At this point, whatever's working with the Malat show, you you almost gotta keep that out there. Yeah. I mean they'll obviously evaluate who they think is best in practice and who's the best in press protection and all that good stuff, but you know, it's a good problem to have. Now that TJ Session <laughs> is TJ Session is back and he may not even have a starting spot back, that's a it's a good problem to have as as an offensive you know, offensive line.
0: Okay, Thorny, let's move on. Let's get into the game that was in Bozeman, the semifinal game that was on ESPN two against South Dakota State.
1: Man, how awesome was it having that game on ESPN two? Oh, Just the full I want them production all on ESPN2. crew, the the A talent, like the A team coming over to, to to broadcast the game. Aside from the one little weird thing they did with McKenzie River Pizza, other than that, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was, the stain looked awesome. It sounded awesome. Before we get into the game, just kudos, Bobcat Nation. It looked and sounded fantastic. What a fun environment. Everyone I've been reading about the best environment they've ever been to in their entire Bobcat lives, which makes me yeah. really sad I didn't go. But <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing it. Appreciate it as a Bobcat fan who couldn't make it. But let's dive into the stats of the 31-17 victory from the Bobcats over South Dakota State in the semifinals. The winner going to Frisco, Texas, the Bobcats ended with 405 yards of total offense, 229 passing yards and 176 on the ground. Looking on the other side, the Jackrabbits had 439 yards of total offense, 315 through the air and just 124 rushing yards for the the fabled dual duo of Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis. 5 penalties for the Jackrabbits for 50 yards, 3 for the just 3 for the Bobcats for 15 yards. We had 22 first downs for the Jackrabbits, 19 for the Cats. Uh, both teams were pretty decent on fourth th- or on third down. Excuse me. Rabbits were 7 of 15. The Cats were 5 of 11. The, this is where the Jackrabbits were only 1 of 4 on fourth down. That's kind of something we'll get into when we start talking about this. The Cats were 1 of 1. The Let's see. Going on down. The time of possession was 30 minutes and 26 seconds for the Cats, 29 and 34 for the Jackrabbits. So pretty darn even. And then time possession. But the big one here, two turnovers. One that one of them more consequential than the other, but two turnovers for the Jag Rabbits and zero for the Bobcats. So plus two in the turnover battle. Love to see that. Man, do you wanna get in the do you wanna do some of the individual stats here?
0: Yeah. So Tommy and had Three hundred and eighty-eight all-purpose yards. All but twenty-one <laughs> yards that we had in our offense went Oy. through Tommy Mullat. Well I we definitely have to talk about that. He was ten for fifteen for two thirty-three, two touchdowns, two touchdown Tommy this week. Uh he had thirty-four carries though, with 155 yards and two rushing touchdowns on that. Elijah Elliott was six carries for 21 yards. I feel like Elijah Elliott was the only. Other running back we saw. We didn't see Hosey. No. Uh Jahari Martin lined up in the I back formation a couple times. Yep. But he was mainly used as a blocker. I don't know what the deal with Hosey is. Uh yes yeah, completely stumped on that. Um, but continuing on. Lance McCutcheon was five catches for 98 yards, one touchdown. Nate Stewart was three catches for 92, one touchdown. Trayden Pickering was one for thirty-three. Willie Patterson had one catch for 10 yards. Simeon Word. Had one interception. Stones Glessner was 1-for-1 one one for a 27-yard field goal. Bryce had four punting, four punts. I almost put his last name in punts together. Putting. Bryce Layton <laughs> had four punts. Average of 39.5 with the long of 55. Uh, that one pinned him back. If we talk about the Jackrabbits real quick, Ola Donkin was 23 for 35 for 315. One touchdown, one interception. Pierre Strong had fourteen carries for ninety-four yards. Most of that came on his, I think it was like a forty-four-yard scamper. He got uh, free early in the second or first. I can't really remember at this point. Isaiah Davis only had nine carries for thirteen yards. Jackson Yankee had six carries for ninety-seven yards. I I called his last name Yankee last in the in the pod. It's <laughs> not Yankee. It's Yankee. I apologize for the Yankee Twins. Tucker Craft, the beast of a man. Holy <laughs> smokes, it's such a load. Jeez, people just don't look like him on 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 the normal. <laughs> uh, he was uh, six catches for ninety six yards, and Jaden Yankee had five catches for eighty yards, so on one touchdown. So if you look at the the offensive production for. For the for the Jackrabbits, and you look at ours, you're like, well, Jackrabbits won, but they only really did that in a half of football. The, it was a tale of two halves.
1: Absolutely, it was, and yeah, they yeah. really got the passing game going pretty well. 315 yards through the air. That's uh, that might be the most anyone's had against the Cats this year. Dude, they were slicing us like a hot knife through soft butter. They were, and they had a couple of some screen games going to. The tight ends, in particular, Kraft. The Yankee twins had some good catches there. Like they, they had it going there for a while, but you know things definitely changed on that, and we'll, we'll get into that. But there's, there's kind of the uh, the stat rundown for you. So, well, I want to give a, I want to give a, a shout out real quick before
0: we move on because I do have one more stat related thing. Prodigal cat from Bobcat Nation. Can you imagine if somebody was listening to our podcast and we just said Prodigal Cat, they'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? (laughs) They're not familiar with Bobcat Nation where people have monikers. I just thought about that. Anyways, Prodigal Cat, (laughs) whoever's name, could be like a guy named Jeff, could be a girl, could be like Shirley. Who knows what Prodigal Cat is. Anyways, um, said uh, the Jackrabbits had 77 yards rushing in the first quarter and then 47 the rest of the game. I thought that was such crazy. a good stat. They were getting, uh, I felt like the jackrabbits were getting five, six, seven, eight yards a carry, easy, just easy. You know, running, running off the tackles against us in the first quarter. And you and I were texting early on in that game, like, "Here we go, this can be North Dakota State." The difference thing, the difference being, Ryan, we kept up with them. Like when they would attack and score, we would respond and we, i mean we obviously we went into halftime 17-17 and they hit like a 53-yard field goal that just bugs me to know in have given up a score before half is one of my biggest pet peeves of all time but yeah there's a big difference we weren't getting blown out it kind of felt like we were getting blown out because it they kept did. driving the ball so easily and, and we were relying on big plays but uh
1: yeah it was frustrating the first half they they didn't punt the ball once in the first half no, <laughs> you know, so I thought they were that was just doing these methodical drives outside of their one big touchdown run. Most of them were long drives and several plays like lot like double digit play drives. And it just seemed like they were just imposing their will getting like the running backs were getting three yards beyond the line of scrimmage before they were even touched. That Their offensive line was just pushing around our defensive line there for a while, which is absolutely incredible to how. Much the script flipped in the second half, but in the first half it was not. It was a. I felt like the cats were lucky to be in the game in some ways, or like more like, how are we in this game? I feel like we're getting dominated, and yet here we are, tied up. In fact, we were winning. But how important was? And this is where I want to start talking specifics. How important was that fourth down stop inside the ten yard line? I want to talk about that. Number one, their quarterback Oladuken. What was he doing? Why did he slide three yards away from the line of scrimmage, man? like You put your shoulder down, you plow through for a first down. That changes the entire game. But instead, he slides, kind of comically gets up and signals for a first down when clearly he slid well behind the line of scrimmage. And then it gets to fourth down, and instead of kicking a field goal to go up three to zero and get some momentum, get some points on the board, they go for it on fourth down and a pretty good play call. And that probably works against 99% of the defenses in the FCS. But Troy Anderson, I've watched that play several times now. It's an absolute play. He was going to like get sucked in there. And then seemed like he kind of like slapped the back of the one of his own guys to kind of propel himself out sideways and uh, track him down and made a, an outstanding open field tackle. Probably one of the best defensive plays of the entire year, if not the best, to stop him on fourth down. and we actually end up driving down and scoring a touchdown on that. So how big how big of a play was that drive to stop them from scoring on fourth down and and kind of seize the first momentum wave?
0: It was huge. It was the first time we seized momentum as you just said. Troy Anderson that play is going to go down as one of the all-time great plays of Troy Anderson. Mm-hmm. He was as fast laterally as uh, Isaiah Davis was trying to get to the corner <laughs> right there. It was just like it just seemed like when I was watching Troy, he was just like swimming his way to to the side and then he was like was like it's kind of like when you see a shark take down some like a seal in the water, you're <laughs> like, Troy Anderson's the shark. He's like, Okay, you're it and I'm gonna get you and that was game over. That <laughs> was it was a huge play, but it was the, the first time I felt Gizelle. the. Yeah, it was the first time I felt the crowd. You and I watched it on ESPN, we, you could feel the crowd at that time, but then it was like, quick thing was, was like, okay, all of a sudden we're what we have to drive 90 some yards because yeah, it was inside the 10. So it was a weird place to capture momentum. And then we hit a couple big plays. We hit, I don't know what the sequence was, but I know we hit, uh a big play to Lance McCutcheon down the sideline that got us past the 50.
1: Yeah, I think the that may have been the drive and I might I might be missing it um conflating two drives together but that might be the one where it's like third and 7 but Milott made a big scramble to get out to like the 40 yard line. So that's what really got a, got us out of our own end zone. I'm not sure that's the same drive but yeah, we hit some big plays and I th- it was an important drive and we came down and we ended up scoring the touchdown. Oh man, that was that's the first time you're feeling pretty good about it, but even then, you know, South Dakota State was still pushing around, pushing us around. The next drive, I think they came back down and scored a touchdown right after that. Is that right? You've re- you've rewatched the game. I haven't had a chance to do that.
0: Yeah, um, They did. Yeah, well, I'm looking at the look drive at chart the... here. So yes, they had a there you
1: go one minute and twenty one second drive uh, that resulted in a touchdown, just four plays for fifty six yards. So they they was did respond the quite well.
0: Who scored that touchdown? Was that Pierre Strong?
1: See, that's where it doesn't tell me here. Four plays, 56 yards. I mean, it very well could be just a 44-yard touchdown run. And he had that at some point. But yeah, there it is. So that was the response. 44-yard touchdown run. Pretty much the only real good run of the day for the Jackrabbits. We held, man, we held Isaiah Strong to, and here I am clicking around on my stats, and now I don't have it up in front of me. I was going to talk about it. We held Isaiah St- Davis. I keep conflating those two as well. Isaiah Davis, nine carries for 13 yards. He had been rushing for like 500 yards in the playoffs or something like that through four games, like 500 some odd yards. He was on an absolute tear. Nine carries, 13 yards, 1.8, 1.4 yards per carry with a long of eight yards. And even Pierre Strong, who actually, I think today declared for the NFL draft, he will be foregoing any of his eligibility at South Dakota State to become an NFL uh, hopeful 14 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown, but, you know, you take away that 44 yard scamper and he was 13 carries for 50 yards at that point. So, you know, we held one of the best rushing attacks in the entire country, the best two running backs on the same team, basically. And, you know, Troy Anderson was a big part of that. And it all started with that stuff of Isaiah Davis on the like five yard line or whatever that was.
0: But how did it change though? Because we were getting gashed and then all of a sudden, Second half of football came, and (laughs) one of the famous lines from that game was late in the fourth quarter, the ESPN crew said, in the last two quarters, South Dakota State had minus two yards of rushing. So what changed?
1: Yeah, I couldn't really tell you. I I was looking at it. Yeah, they had 15 rushing yards in the third quarter, and they had negative 17 rushing yards in the fourth quarter. I'm I'm sure part of that is Oladokun getting sacked. Those do count against the rushing totals. But yeah, that combines for negative two. That's what they finished, and that is accurate. Negative two rushing yards in the second half. I really couldn't tell you what changed. I think our conditioning took over. I know you wanted to talk about our conditioning, uh, just the constant rotation of the defensive linemen, and uh, just whatever adjustments that Freddie Banks made, and I'm not smart enough to really see those and, and easily identify them on TV, but he made some big adjustments, and we looked like the fresher team I don't know if South Dakota State finally wore down after the long season or if we wore them down and this would have happened even in the second game of a season. I I couldn't tell you, but it certainly looked good and it uh you know, it was very effective. The way the South Dakota State line was coming off the ball
0: in the second half, I I did notice they were tired and we just kept bringing waves after waves after waves of defensive linemen. Goes back to what I was listening to in today with coach vegan and he and he continues to talk about this and so i think it's a very important thing is the way we prepare for the games going back to fall camp the way we practice he always stresses the way that they just put more players on the field to get more reps ty okada talked about this throughout the year Uh, daniel hardy has talked about this coach vegan has talked about this a couple times and I don't know if I wasn't just paying attention or maybe just not thinking this was a big deal, but it, it's a, it's a huge deal now. I mean, we, we broke them with our physicality and our conditioning. We were kind of on par, I think in the first half, second half, man, it really showed that we were the better conditioned team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, don't know if that was just stuff to go state playing, 23, yeah. 24 games in a calendar year, but whatever it was, it, be. it, it was obvious, but it was kind of funny because you're. I was watching that first half and I even, I think I even texted you, like we look like we're the team that's played this 24th game. We were the ones that looked like we were kind of exhausted out there and just kind of getting pushed around. It wasn't anything like real bad, but it, that's the way it seemed like the game was going to go. Like it looks like, I felt like we were kind of hanging on by a thread. A little bit in that first half, and it was just going to get worse in the second half. But I, I should know better by now. Freddie Banks, still second half adjustments. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> I would love to hear what they say
0: in the locker room. All accounts that says that they're, they're just very calm. The, the coaches give them what, what's going on and make some small adjustments, and then they just go out and play fast and physical.
1: Well, I also know Freddie Banks was courted as like telling his guys to F and tackle better early <laughs> in the second half. So. It could be as simple as your coach chewing you out for not tackling well. It could be quite simple. <laughs> Maybe it's more right complicated. We're making it more complicated than it really is. Well, hey, man, this
0: game this game has so much. I mean, we could talk about individual players. We could talk about individual plays. But we're not going to go through all that. I mean, just looking at the time, we're looking at 40 minutes about right now. I, I do want to talk a little bit about... Uh, Let's see here. I want to talk about Troy Anderson and Tommy Malotte and kind of the passing of the guard of the face of the Bobcats. Troy Anderson, the most famous Bobcat in the last, in the last whatever, right? There's talk right now. Is Troy Anderson the best Bobcat of all time? I'm sure we're going to go over that sometime. But you had this awesome picture at the very end of the game and uh, Skyline's uh, post game press conference. They put it up on their site. There's this uh, there's this moment where they have in the camera view. You have Troy on the left and Tommy on the right, and Troy looks like I mean he just looks like he just looks like a proud father almost. <laughs> and then you and you look at Tommy Malat on the side, and Tommy Malat sitting straight up. He's got that stone face that uh, we've been uh, known to see from him. He doesn't smile much. I wish he would because I, I, he just he seems so serious all the time. But I just got the moment; it just struck me when I was sitting there and I was and I I wasn't even listening to the words. I was just looking at their pictures and Troy just, you know, Troy, Troy is just what what I can't I can't even see it because he's everything for Bobcat fans. But you see these the old guard and the new guard. It was just, it was just a cool moment
1: for me. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty funny. I, I guess I hadn't really realized that apparently um, Troy is the one who's been calling him touchdown, Tommy, and mm-hmm. will continue to do so whether Tommy likes it or not. That was pretty funny, but yeah, it, it it does mean a lot. I think Troy probably feels pretty good about having Tommy be kind of the uh, the next Montanan to kind of carry that. Paul Bunyan type banner that he's been doing for the last few years. He's, he probably feels pretty good to have um, someone doing that who can kind of take the spotlight spotlight off spotlight off of him briefly for this season, but uh, carry it moving forward. Yeah.
0: I think Tommy is taking it in such a good, uh, he's just shouldering it and doesn't seem to affect him. In fact,
1: I think it enhances his play on the field. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but let's let's actually talk a little bit more about Tommy Millat during the game. Let's kind of circle back to the game here, because I don't think we actually talked much about Tommy Millat's performance at all during the game. I can't believe he had 34 carries. That is way more than I'd ever want to see, way more than I would have been expecting. But I mean, he was very effective, 155 yards, you know, but he only had a long of 21 in this game. He had 4.6 yards per carry. But that's just not going to do it moving forward. Like that's <laughs> I can't see us beating the Bison doing that strategy where Tommy Locke gets 34 carries and the next the only other running back gets 6. But overall man, what a gutsy what a gutsy performance by Tommy lott The kid's like a legend already. How do you, how do you go from from not being really on the radar to winning the semifinal game in your third career start? You've only started in the playoffs. You've never even started any other point in the season and you're 3-0 in the playoffs and you got your team in the national championship what a what an absolute crazy story
0: yeah i don't think uh that offense is going to work against the bison i don't think coach i, I think coach vegan knows that as well i sometimes i think i feel like Malat, when he gets into the games in this in this kind of uh well i mean we've only seen him for three games play quarterback sometimes i feel like he forgets or maybe not forgets but is he shouldering too much? Sometimes I think he is.
1: Yeah. Trying to do too much, perhaps.
0: Yeah. yeah, That's what I was trying to say. Trying to do too much. I just handed the ball off to Fonse. I was wondering that. It was like watching the game and I looked at him. He gave the ball off to Fonse. Fonse scampers for six yards. And I was thinking in my head, I go, I bet that felt good a lot. You know, not getting tackled, not getting punished on that game. But there's no give up in that kid's eyes. He just looking to the next play. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take the pounding. I'll take the pounding, but I think that's something we'll see him in his maturation process, starting to trust the other players more. Sure, uh, that's something will
1: he'll he'll get better at. You know who kind of did that as well when he was quarterback, Troy Anderson. Troy Anderson. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> feeling like all right, I'll do it myself mentality. Um, <laughs> real quick, here I do want to say that you said Afonso like, twice there. <laughs> did I? Yeah. Oh man, Mentalized you Elliott. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a total trait of a Troy Anderson, which is I don't know, I don't know what that is. That's just kind of funny because there's some comparisons now coming out. You know, is Tommy La- a Troy Anderson clone? I, I, in some ways, yes, but uh, a lot of ways, no. But that <laughs> certain, certainly, some of the like the work ethics and maybe the mentalities, the 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 winner's attitude, all that kind of stuff. I could definitely, definitely draw some of that, like leadership, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and there's some parallels there, but. Can we, can we just
1: let them be their own people? That's that's, yeah. Why does everything have to be compared to someone like Tommy Watts, Troy Anderson, Tommy Watts, Taysom Hill, like just Tommy, a is Tommy, a And he's got his own style and his own way of doing things. And that's damn good enough for me. And look at this, look at it being the national championship. It's working out just fine right now. Absolutely. And we'll talk about his future. What next year we'll talk about that down the road. That doesn't matter right now. What matters is he got to Frisco and what can we do? What can Tommy lot do in Frisco to win that game? And that's certainly something we'll talk about uh, later in the week when we preview North Dakota state. The quick take on him on the other message board. I'm not going to give them any kind of, Ooh, I haven't been over there, which is kind of funny. Like that's a place I would normally go kind of, you know, drink some tears, but I just wanted to celebrate Bobcast this week, but what are they saying over there? That he only throws 50 50 balls. Well, that's all uh, Matt McKay did. All, all <laughs> the, whatever quarterback MSU's had this year, it's always, all we do is throw 50 50 balls. Well, we're in the national championship doing it. So maybe, maybe it's working out. All right. It is kind of <laughs> frustrating though, because it's
0: it's a real lack of a pass game. We hit Willie Patterson over the middle on, on a nice play. We don't seem to do that very often, though.
1: <laughs> no, and we threw a little slant to, I think Nate Stewart caught one, like, kind of falling down that was a bullet, that, which is a great throw, like, low and away. That's what you want to do. But, I mean, yeah, most of the most of our plays are down the sidelines. But maybe, maybe if they were stopped and thought about that over in Missoula, maybe that's the game plan. Maybe that's the, the offense by design. Take shots, run the ball. Test the edges and take shots down the sideline and let our big physical receivers go get the ball. Huh. <laughs> Seems to be working. Where are we going? The are national championship? That, <laughs> yeah, someplace called Frisco, Texas. Uh, <laughs> man, I think a lot of the success of the passing game, Tommy Watts obviously the majority of that, but Nate Stewart, man, he's really come on. He's a big, big dude, six two, two ten himself, and he was hurt all the way through like the uh I don't remember the first game he played. It may have been Idaho or Idaho State. One of the, I think it was Idaho. It, it, it He was injured almost the entire year. He got hurt in fall camp. And, mm. you know, he's really come on. I think because uh, you and I talked about so much time this season, like we, it can't be all Lance McCutcheon. We got to have someone else step up. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, like Jaden Smith never did that this year. and But Nate Stewart is taking advantage of all the opportunities coming his way. He's turned into a, a solid number two threat.
0: What a story too, like a grad transfer from Akron comes over to Montana state and it's making this story run to Frisco. That's gotta be so like
1: rewarding for him. Well, especially since, yeah, especially since he got hurt too. So he's like, comes over as a grad transfer, gets hurt, but you know, he keeps getting extra games. So <laughs> he's going to get almost a full season out of it yet. Right on. But yeah, it's gotta be hey. satisfying coming from a, a middling Mac team <laughs> to go to the national championship. <laughs> gotta be a, a little bit better of a feeling. I'm sure.
0: Oh, man. Wow. What a game. Is there any more specifics you want to talk about within the game, any kind of plays or any kind of players you want to highlight? Man, South Francisco State's a good football team. Heck, yeah, they are. Talk they to got some big, Holy, big, smoked. big
1: men. <laughs> Their offensive line are ginormous. They're huge. And they're mm-hmm. they're not like big statues like the uh, Sam Houston State. They were big, thick dudes, but they were just a bunch of like fat guys, really? Like that's not really the case for South Dakota State. They're just big hulking men that just looked intimidating. They were like wide. They're like, they were huge, and they're and uh, Tucker Craft <laughs> was just just another one of them. Really, he just was a oh faster God. version of them. I like, think That's a legitimate they get to
0: him more often.
1: Yeah, they yeah they should. They, that's a legitimate football team, and they were every bit as advertised in my opinion. Like I, I could totally see why they made the run that they did. If they would have been healthy all year, they would have been a seed. I'm, I'm most most assured of that. I, I just want to give kudos to South Dakota State. We beat one of the best football teams I've seen come to Bozeman in a long time. And I'm just super Ooh, impressed with how we did it. Right. And I couldn't be happier to be a Bobcat fan right now. Going to Frisco, Texas. Tickets booked, like I said, we're all ready to go. To actually go watch the Bobcats play for national championship. It still, it still hasn't really fully sunk in with me yet. But I just wanted to give kudos to South Dakota State as a football program and their coaching staff. I just, I really liked everything about it, about their program and the way they handled themselves. Class act. We talked
0: about Coach Stiegelmeyer, the Stig. players at in, in, the, in the in the in the press press conference afterwards. The whole thing. We we gained some fan, uh, South Dakota gained some fans
1: in us for sure. Yeah. Big time! My son's been a South Dakota State fan for a while. He just randomly sees them on TV, and he likes the Jackrabbits, so he's always cheering for the Jackrabbits when they're (laughs) randomly on TV. And and they keep playing the Bobcats and like all different various sports, so I think he's like rooting against the Bobcats. Like we got to correct that, buddy. But uh, (laughs) just to point that out's kind of funny. I
0: do got a question for you. Does your opinion on Coach Vegan has it changed after Saturday?
1: It's only gotten better and better. Like This yeah. playoff run is – is like I've been a pretty much a vegan fan. I was happy with the hire, and after the first like three or four games, I'm like, all right, vegan's going to get this rolling. And then it kind of dipped in the middle of the season, but I never wavered from it. Like I, 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 I was on board with vegan, but this has really impressed me. His like expertise – in in the playoffs and the national championship, and we'll talk about that. Like I think that's such a huge benefit for the cats going into their first national championship, and like since '84, having a coach who's been there and won it is going to be such an advantage. But I I'm absolutely impressed with Vegan, and the fact that uh, Freddie Banks has been hired away to a pretty decent G5 squad in, in Colorado State only makes me even more impressed with Vegan that he has he can hire that. Quality of an assistant who's going to get hired after one season in the FCS. So, like everything about this is, it made me a bigger and bigger believer in Brent Vegan. I would agree 100%. I've
0: just been waiting. I don't know why I've been waiting, but I've been waiting for a moment like this. And it's been, it was, it was so, it just felt good. Like, like, I fully trust Coach Vegan now. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't. Maybe it's just because he's not the rah-rah guy, and I kind of like that. Like I kind of like the rah-rah kind of guy, like the Jeff Jote. Yeah. But, you know, it speaks for itself when you go to the national championship, when you're rising up to the occasion and winning these games.
1: Man, proofs in in the play. Did you see that video um, Bobcat Football tweeted out where it was on the sidelines, and then I think it was right when South Dakota State like fumbled their second like mm-hmm. hook and ladder or whatever, yeah. and like yeah, just down. <laughs> the raw emotion of, of Vegan. He was so happy, and he is not like vanilla. He is in the press conferences and stuff, but like on the sidelines, I think he's a whole different coach. I think he's a whole different coach in the locker rooms. And that was that was exciting to watch. And yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Vegan. He, he's a little bit of a man of mystery to me because he is he a little just bit. Get, right?
0: we only get to see what's presented to us but i, I we're getting some, like sneak peeks into the these uh these moments and you're like okay there it is there, there's a yep. the guy that i would go for battle battle to, or battle for right that's Right. And i think that's what i think that, i think now that i just said that that's what i've been feeling like i just want a coach where i know like okay yeah i'm going to follow you no matter what because i trust you and and just believe in you
1: Absolutely, love okay. it. Let's let's keep let's keep it rolling.
0: All right, man. Well, I think that's all I really wanted to say. A little bit. I don't know. I mean, we could, we could talk, talk about, about this
1: game. More.
0: Yeah, we could yeah, talk about so this much. game
1: every day for this entire week. But I think that's a good a good way to cap it there. I think I got everything out that I was more or less hoping to say. So let's move on to some Golden Cooley questions, huh? Woo! All right all right here. yeah you Don't pull them up i i got one from t reno on twitter he asks us well, <laughs> i'm laughing because this came in yesterday and i bookmarked it i come back in now it said is freddie banks worth his weight in gold uh yes yes i hope we got some gold for him because now he's gone i hope we got a big bag of gold for freddie banks Oh, uh, that's funny. Like, Locking in, seeing that, sorry, it made me laugh out loud. Unfortunately, yes, he's worth his way as gold.
0: I know Coach, uh, Coach uh, Banks is moving on. Uh, obviously, he's probably going to get more money because he's going to FBS, but it kind of feels like a step down.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in some ways, for sure. It's obviously, a pay grade. A payday upgrade, but uh, you know, game day atmosphere in Fort Collins isn't anywhere near what's going to be in a typical day in Bozeman. All right. And the the program, the culture, it's going to be uphill battle there. But uh, you know, that's what you want to do, if you want to move up in the profession, you take the good FBS FCS jobs, then you can take the mediocre FBS jobs. It's, it's kind of the next progression, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, you got gotta keep grinding. All right, day here's one from Cowgirl Cat. She says, "I have." to say this game was so much fun the only game i've ever been to that was on par for the 2019 beatdown of the grizz the crowd noise for the interception left my ears ringing and the guy in charge of the music was spot on no sweet caroline no annoying simba cam (laughs) we didn't beat the grizz this year but we're in the finals what makes this team better than the 2019 team besides
1: tommy malot that's a great question I just think it's another year of maturity, another year of guys being hungry. I think a lot of that's the the uh, a continuation of the culture that cho- laid down like the foundation. I think a lot of it's just the senior leadership. You guys, guys, guys like Daniel Hardy, Mondre Williams, Troy Anderson, and uh, honestly, I think that some of the the new staff has been an upgrade, has been a revelation. So I think a lot of it is uh, you know, some just some some continuation of the senior leadership and some new coaches. I think that's just kind of got it going a little bit.
0: Yeah. You take the the foundation that Cho laid and then you just make it better with the coaching expertise that vegan brings in and his guys. It, it's unreal what we've been able to see. One thing I really like about this Bobcat team too, more than the 2019 we're more steady. 2019 was just tumultuous. We were, we had the highest of highs. We had some low lows. And that seemed to be characteristic of Jeff Cho himself. Coach Vegan is very much more like steady and then more prepared. I feel in just in general, and uh, I wasn't a fan of it early on. But I mean, <laughs> like, here we are, Coach Briscoe. So, yeah, I think now we've laid the foundation where maybe this is like where we should be. Like, remember back to February when we got hired? The very first video of him was like, hey, guys, we're we're about winning championships here. We're going to. Yeah. That's, that's the standard. And like, OK, like this is the very first thing you're going to say to the team. Would you believe if we if you told us back in February <laughs> that Coach Vegan was going to take us to a national championship? I think the important I thing no. is that Coach Vegan believed that
1: he would. Yeah, Exactly. Great question, Cowgirl. Great question. Uh, I don't think we have a whole lot of other questions. I got one more on Twitter. Um, I got a couple from Zach on Twitter. He says, North Dakota State has been here before, but so has Brent Vigan. Based off both head coaches' experience, does MSU actually have the coaching advantage in this game? We could delay oh, yeah. this question if we wanted to, or we can answer it right now. What do you think? I think we should delay that. I think it's a really good like 20-minute conversation. It's a good one. So his second question is, um, MSU has sold out of their tickets. They know a lot of Cat fans who have applied for NDSU tickets. It's interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. Do the Cat fans have the advantage? Seems like NDS fans have been there before, but uh, they might mean more to the Bobcats. And that's something uh, we can also talk about later. But I I actually do think even if the NDSU fans outnumber the Bobcat fans, I think the Bobcat fans may end up being more energetic and louder. It's been a long time coming. We're riding a huge high right now. One, almost everyone who was at that game, the semifinal game, it says the best Bobcat environment they've ever been to. People are just, how can I get tickets? How can I get t- You see that on Facebook, any FCS fan group you're in, in Bobcat Nation, anywhere you look, Bobcat fans are trying to get tickets. This means a huge deal to us. Whereas NDSU didn't even sell out a single playoff game, I don't believe. I think they're just honestly complacent and they're bored. I think that it does mean more to the cat fans. I think the cat fans will be rowdier assuming that the game doesn't get away from us. I think there will be an advantage for the cat fans.
0: Yeah. Everything you just said, Ryan, hundred <laughs> percent. I kept waiting to us for you to stop, but you just kept going and you nailed every single <laughs> point
1: right there. Nice job. I love when to do that. That, that makes yeah. me feel, feel real good. No,
0: in my heart. Nothing to add to that. <laughs> Nothing bad. All
1: right. right. Well, I think that's all I got. Is there any on Instagram? You're the one. You're the. It's kind of funny. Like somehow ended up where you're basically check Instagram, not check Twitter. Do we got anything over there?
0: Uh, no. We. I don't think we've ever gotten a golden coolie on Instagram. Actually, that's not true. A couple guys message us. I am the Instagram kind of uh, curator for the RNR, and I spend too much time looking at. Bobcat stuff on Instagram. I probably wish I could delete the Instagram account, honestly, because I spend too much time on it, honestly.
1: <laughs> Do you just like want to purge yourself of anything that you find yourself like indulging too much on? Is that how Ryan yeah. fully operates? Yeah. I like this Besides game, Bobcat, let's just burn it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for Bobcat,
0: uh just everything, I would get rid of all social media. I really would. <laughs>
1: We're going to social media. I found one. I found one more question. mtgcg 1979, Montana Go Cats okay, go 1979. Nice, I like it. Our roster depth has really come through this amazing postseason run heading into the national championship. What currently injured Bobcat do you want to see back on the field the most? That one's easy for me as a Fonse. Oh,
0: really? I was thinking Chase Benson. I think Chase Benson has the longest road to get back onto the field. I honestly don't think we're going to see Chase Benson again. I know he's going to want to be on there. I mean, keeping him off the field's another story, but yeah. th- his back injury is, I, I don't think that's going to get solved in the next three weeks. I, I really think we're going to see Ty Alcotta. Yeah, for sure. I'll, although, you know, hey, I really wanted to give a shout-out to Ryan Nort. Just between Sam Houston State and this game, Ryan Nort was, yeah. he was Johnny on
1: the spot. I loved what I saw from that guy. He's going to be a solid player for sure. Like I, Woo, I still think absolutely. that Akad is the better player at the moment, but mm-hmm. the, the future is very, very bright for Ryan Ort. But yeah, for me, just the fact that we couldn't get anything going outside of Tommy Wlot offensively, I we need a big bruising back to run between the tackles. I mean, Afonze is my guy here. I think our defensive line will be surprisingly okay without Chase Benson, as we've as it's been proven now two games yeah. in a row against two top five programs.
0: Quick question for you, Thorny. Do you think we're going to be able to run the ball traditionally against the Bison?
1: Only if the passing game can get going. We'll have to open that up via the passing game. So it's possible, but it's going to be a huge uphill battle.
0: Well, that's really where we've lost in the last, uh, in 2019, 2018. We tried to run the ball, tried to out-physical them on the line of scrimmage, and that's never been able uh, to happen. Honestly, we haven't
1: had much success running the ball with the running backs for two straight games.
0: Yeah, good
1: point. Uh, Sam Houston State wasn't a real picnic either. And they had a really good <laughs> rushing defense, like statistically. And But, you know, it's mostly Tommy lot doing it, which is working, so it is what it is. But traditional running games could be a struggle. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure we could talk about that a little bit more. But, uh, yeah.
1: All right. Christy... And I'm sorry, I'm to mis- uh, mispronounce your name. Gerds, G-E-R-D-E-S on Twitter. Is the ticket We're system under. the worst? Is the Yeah. Is the ticket system for the nat- uh, national championship the worst system you've ever seen? <laughs> she doesn't have one. Uh, she's upset. Yeah, it's, it's a cluster right now. Like, I don't fully understand all the things going on right now. I just know that uh, we knew it would be a cluster. We, we foresaw it, so we bought our tickets early. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I was like, I'd rather have the tickets and try and unload them. And apparently, we would have, we would have made a mint on ours if we unloaded them. <laughs> but uh, yes, it seems like it's a cluster. But just be patient. I think tickets will open up. Keep your keep your eyes open. Hopefully, you can find one.
0: It is it, it is wild west. It feels like trying to get this thing dialed in for Frisco. I know Ugh. you and I have had multiple phone calls, booking things, planning things. If we get to go back in the next couple of years, we'll have this scene dialed in. Probably nothing like the NDSU fans will, but it's
1: been, See that, been kind I, of that's part of the Part of the challenge too, right? Cat fans are new to this. NDS fans have been booked, have everything booked for for weeks.
0: They, they know what's time going on, and down they there.
1: <laughs> and they're probably hoping that the Bobcats will make it because they can like price gouge and screw over Bobcat fans. Like I'm going to buy this fifty dollar <laughs> ticket. Bobcat fans make it. I'll sell it for three hundred. Yeah. They bought extra tickets just to sell to some people who are desperate for tickets. So, damn the Bison Inford? yet again. <laughs> the fans, oh my God. The program, the players. Ugh. All right. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of well, here.
0: Whoop. We we got to go. I'm going to award the one to uh Cowgirl <laughs> Cat. <you>. <laughs> I you thought she it. had You're a member. really good question. Which makes this team better than 2019 team? Really good question. Our girl cat, get at it! Send us your info. I'll send you one of the last golden coolies available.
1: And wow! A sticker that is a
0: sticker. probably two stickers, maybe.
1: We're not going to make it. We the season just is never gonna <laughs> games, going to end. And you have to keep golden coolies. Fifteen games were going on. That's crazy. It's a lot of it podcasting. <laughs> Well, let's end this particular podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope everyone is excited. Oh man, for Frisco as I am, this is incredible. Thank you for listening again. You can find us on RR Catcast on that their Twitter. You can find us on the Bobcat Nation. Uh, we post there quite a bit. You can find us on the web, rrcatcast.com. You can always email us at rrcatcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Jeremiah Johnson, our sponsor, and fully let's get out of here with the Go Cats. Go Cats! Go Cats!